episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast is brought to you by Fermented Adventure. Dolan, we have merchandise. Yes, we do. How do people find our merchandise? They need to go onto our website at fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. So go to fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. And what will they find? They will find our Fermented Adventure, the podcast shirt, may contain alcohol, and we have a couple specials that we just did. Uh, Cerveza made me do it, and tequila made me do it. Now, this is perfect for spring break, Cinco de Mayo, or even the summer, and you'll look really cool, and you'll be able to say, hey, it wasn't me, it was tequila or cerveza that made me do it. Yes, that's true. We have different things. We have shirts, we have glasses. What are some of the other things we have in there? Women's stuff, men's stuff, tank tops. Tanks, tees, sweatshirts, pullover hoodies, you name it. You name it, we have it, and more to come, right? More to come. FermentedAdventure.com. Click on the apparel tab. Buy the merchandise. Cheers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Jacob Manning. She's Abby Hyde. I'm Rich Shane, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Today, we're going to talk wine, more specifically, winely. Abby and Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rich, for having us. I'm excited to be here. And, and again, this is one of my favorite topics. So this will be a, a great conversation. Well, as we were saying, this is 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. I'm about ready for a glass of wine, but I'm going to be even more ready after we talk because I want to know about Winely. How did that get started? So, the oh, that's a great journey of course like everything it was a, a quite a long startup journey um originally it actually came out of um a biotechnology piece of research that i did in the lab um and i've always been passionate about fermentation the fermentation industry and, and biology um so it's a bit of a bit of a long journey but the um at the forefront of of the technology it's a solution that's made for monitoring fermentation in real time um in real time analysis and so for me, I'm really interested in the future of fermentation and, and how this is going to change the world. And so that's my passion and driver for, for pursuing Winely and, and getting it to where we are today. Now through, I mean, for you and Abby, what was the impetus to just start this as a company? And I got to ask you, I mean, at some point, we're going to talk about your passion for fermentation because we're called Fermented Adventure. So we're passionate about what comes out of fermentation for the most part. But what was the impetus to just start the company? How did that go about? I saw this problem, um, which I was made very aware of when I was doing my research around um, fermentation and fermentation systems. And um, 
at that stage, I was really interested in how fermentation can change the world. And uh, the solution that we were looking at and what we wanted to produce and provide to the market was a very advanced piece of technology for all the traditional fermentation type industries. And once you sort of move a technology out of, out of an academic institute and you start exploring its applications, I realized that there were some very big problems, in the, particularly in the wine industry, that could be solved with simple technology solutions. And so we went out there and we wanted to solve um, some of the big health and safety concerns around uh, people working, uh, working at heights on catwalks, which was an identified hazard. And we've had a, a few deaths in the industry of people, you know, uh, getting too close to the gas and, and knocking themselves out and, and falling off a catwalk. And um, the facilities and, that we work with tend to be enormous sites. So it's quite a, quite a hazardous environment. So we wanted to automatically um, sample all of those tanks so that there's less sort of rope tasks around going up and taking samples um, from the wine and ensuring that that wine maintains great quality. Um, so we've automated that. And so that was really the driver for me as well. Like, okay, we've got this beautiful future solution that will change fermentation forever. But the reality is the first stuff we're doing at the moment is just the things that our customers desperately need so they can spend more time making great wine. Abby, where do you come in on all of this? Great question, Rich. So I met Jacob when he was doing his research and what drew us into the wine industry is, you know, we learned it had a really complex fermentation um, culture process. So it fitted really well with Jacob's ambitions of um, trying to understand fermentation. And we quickly realised that, you know, winemaking, it's a, deeply reactive process. Um, wine's made, you know, once a year. Um, it's a seasonal activity and winemakers are really, you know, responding um, very quickly to things that are going on inside the tank to try and make the best possible wine. So it's very reactive. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what drew me And I thought, well, there just has to be a better way to, to do this than just manually sampling all the tanks. Um, and we discovered that the, the best solution was capturing the right data in real time and empowering those winemakers with the choice and visibility and control that they needed to make fantastic wine. You've both said the word technology several times. So talk more about the technology that's helping to solve these problems and helping the winemakers, my, my guess is, or my understanding is, make better wine and make wine, I want to say make better wine, but make wine better, right? Yeah, absolutely, Rich. So, I mean, the wine industry, it's, it's thousands of years old, as, as we all know on this podcast. And in the last, you know, century or so, we've seen winemakers adding a lot of laboratory processes to the way they do things. But most winemakers are still performing what we call manual sampling. Um, so going to the tank and taking a sample and running it through some of their lab processes, you know, twice a day, maybe more. So it's very time consuming. And so our solution or our technology, essentially it's a, a laboratory in a tank. So it provides continuous deep data collection and, and real-time analysis, which is sent, you know, in nice clean digital data packets to the winemaker every 15 minutes so they can get that real-time insight on what's going on. 
That must be just mind-blowing when you go to a wine producer and you introduce them to this and they see it, as you say, you know, immediately the results. What's the response that you've gotten from that? Why isn't everybody doing this? And why don't I have a home kit? Oh, that's a, yeah, we, um, that's a very, very, uh, yeah, apt way of describing things. We, um, the first customers we spoke with, we didn't realize they were going from something that was like truly analog to something that's really digital. We thought there was something in between and we have blown a lot of winemakers' minds. Like just when they, when they grab their phone out and they're like, oh my gosh, I could just have all this data on my phone. I don't like, like in real time, as opposed to, I have to take, I, like, I will get up at 6 a.m. if I have to and do a run in order to maintain quality, on, especially on my 150 bottles of wine. Like, no, I just get to roll, like, you know, roll over in bed, look at my phone and be like, all right, I might need to go into the winery a little early this morning. So it is like, for them, it is quite an exciting moment. Jacob, you mentioned, as you were talking about discovering or working on this technology, your passion for fermentation. And I'm curious about your passion for fermentation. Talk about that. I, I believe, I honestly believe fermentation will change the world. Um, and that is super exciting. So we, we know traditional fermentation, we of course make all sorts of food across the planet. And it's a, a lot of that, like Abby said, it's a, it's a very ancient process. Um, fermentation, we, we build foods, we build drinks, we build fuels. Um, but the potential for fermentation to really have a big impact and, and help the world is just around the corner. And that's the stuff that really inspires me. But we need to help humanity unlock um, a lot of uh, potential before that becomes a, an accessible reality. So uh, someone who really inspires me from um, Stanford University, he, he always speaks about how um, you know, humanity, using, using fermentation, humanity will have um, both the humanity will both be able to continue to grow at, a, at its current population. People will be able to continue, continue to consume at their current rate um, while maintaining, if not restoring um, planet Earth to its, its former glory. So it, this truly could be a massive, massive um, technology that's right around the corner. And it will dwarf both the internet and computing combined. Um, and so that's the stuff that gets me really excited about how fermentation can be used to build all sorts of materials. All right. I, you've gotten me like I'm in chills right now. I'm, I'm like bubbling over to understand in your mind. I mean, fermentation saving the world. That's going to be my next T-shirt if you guys haven't cornered the market on that one. But where do you see the idea where that the fermentation on, on a public global scale where that's going to be the impact? Yeah, so um, we've got, so naturally, we, we, we're the world's leader in, in fermentation analysis in situ, and um, we're starting to work with uh, some of these um, companies that are really, they're working out how to use a yeast system to build new materials. Um, and so we've, we've done that for a little while. A good example is, is insulin. Um, so we make insulin like that in the medical industry. Um so the, some of the companies that are interested in using our technology at the moment, they will ferment. So using um, sugars um, and, and some advanced yeast, they will build things like cotton, for example, which is going to be a, a really exciting thing where we can ferment cotton and we don't need to grow it on the land, and which absorbs enormous amounts of water. It, it's uh, Unfortunately, it's a, 
a replacement for food crops in regions that need food. Um, and so essentially you can use a yeast system to produce all these different things, not just foods, um, but new materials, uh, uh, very expensive um, uh, biomolecules that we use in chemistry, so biochemistry, as well as um, the more common one that people understand is um, bioalternatives, which is a it's a way of making um, really feasible pharmaceuticals using uh, genuine using yeast systems. Um, so that stuff is really exciting. And um, according to uh, McKinsey, uh, by 2040, 40% of all manufactured inputs could be produced using fermentation. And so that's like an enormous number. That's like, that's very much, if you walked around an industrial zone um, and you looked at all the factories, most of those factories would change to be a bio-fermentation type factory by 2040. That's true. I, I, now I can understand your excitement, your passion. It's fueling me as, you know, learning more about fermentation. You taught me something and I really appreciate that. This is why I enjoy the podcast, meeting people like you guys that, you know, are doing something that, you know, the focus has been wine or at least our conversation. Let's bring it back to the wine discussion how does your technology, you know, you said, all right, whoever that winemaker is now, you know, they don't have to do that analog uh, monitoring of the fermentation. Does your system affect flavor in any way? You, you know, are, are, there, are there yeast systems, proprietary yeast systems to your wine? Uh, or can they just go through what they're doing? And then just it's a matter of just, um, I guess, monitoring where that fermentation process is. It's a great question, Rich. And I guess to, to bring it back to the wine industry and the reason why we're, we're doing what we do today is, um, is despite the fact that we've been making wine for thousands of years and we've got fantastic people who, who make amazing wine that we all love and enjoy, um, there is still so much mystery to the process and so much... Um, intriguing wonder and what's happening with the yeast and, and why it does what it does. And so what Winely, you know, really seeks to do is to slot into what the winemaker is, is doing today and not change it at all, but really just fit into their practices and enhance it by helping them understand what is going on with the yeast at various different stages of the ferment so that they can optimize um, what they're trying to build. So that's, um, I guess, sort of what, what we're doing. So we're not, we're not making yeast. We're not trying to build a new um, fermentation process from the ground up. We're really just trying to help um, monitor fermentation and, and help give deep insight into, into yeast systems and, and what's happening with the yeast so that we can optimize things. We speak to not only winemakers, wineries in the like, but we talk to people that have meaderies and cideries and distilleries. Is this a transferable technology? I mean, it's fermentation, I would imagine. So are there other industries in the uh, spirits world, so to speak, that are kind of coming to you or you're going to them and providing this technology now? It'll be interesting to speak to more people in, in that sort of space. Um, we are solving a ubiquitous problem in fermentation. Um, and so it is really exciting and it's quite, um, you'll, you'll find that, that in the, in fermentologists will talk about um, different problems, but there's this root problem, which we get to, which is um, 
I mean, it's fermentation kinetics and yeast, yeast vitality is essentially managing the biological aspect of producing products. And that's like, that at the moment, we're in, but like the, as, a hum, as, as a human collective, we're in that infancy and understanding that. And that will absolutely revolutionize the industry. It'll be so exciting. At the moment in the wine industry, and unless you're a really real pioneer, and I, I want to talk to pioneer winemakers, um, you'll generally sit around using safe yeast systems. Like you'll, there's like 20, there's 80, 82 sort of common yeast strands that you'll use. But in the future, we will be building even more amazing drinks that we could never imagine. And, and so that's that's on the far horizon. Um, but yeah, the, in answering your question, it's, it, there's a ubiquitous problem that or, or a ubiquitous thing that we can help with across all of fermentation. And, and that's at the heart of our technology. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that there are industry standards, I guess, so to speak, where they may stay within their lane of the yeast that they may use. As you say, it's safe, right? Uh, what we're seeing, though, is that there's more and more of a trend, at least here for the brewing industry, for the distilling industry, for the cider industry, to begin to harvest wild yeast and to bring that into the distilling process. We just had a conversation. I mentioned him on a podcast yesterday, uh, Royce Neely of Neely Family uh, Distilling in Tennessee. They're very much ingrained on harvesting wild yeast to make their products. And there's a, a boatload of other, uh, we just had the University of the Sciences in the last couple of years that have now a, a proprietary wild yeast. I would imagine your product, because it's, it's such a mystery through the fermentation process, would really help to keep things uh, in check and give people a little bit more comfort level when they use these different yeast strains. You you answered that amazingly, Rich. That's, that's exactly right. Like it's like we give people. Uh, we work with a lot of a lot of winemakers that are using native yeast, and it's like um and minimum intervention as well, which is like you no know, moving from very like making amazing wine, reducing what you put in the wine, and really trying to make as natural wine as possible. And it's terrifying for a winemaker to do that process without having a large collection of data regularly because things can so quickly go wrong with native yeast. Um, but if you do it right, you will be able to, like the consumer will tell. Like I, I preferentially look for um, like low, low intervention wines and like um, obviously I love organic wine, um, but not, not always it's low intervention wines seem to be the thing that's like, get on the shelf for like relative price wise and it can be incredible it can be a wine that you've never experienced before because generally there's a native yeast involved generally they have very low additives and they've managed to really bring all the flavors through the journey you know you mentioned something interesting about you know an organic wine and then the additives now will your process and technology help to remove those additives and let's say sulfites from wines so that they could be more shelf stable or travel stable. So, you know, the, the one interesting thing you're in Australia and there are probably wines in Australia that you can get your local winery that will never ever come to the United States or Europe because it, it's not stable enough to travel through different climates and, and, and things of that nature. Is that something that your technology will help with? That's a really yeah, great so, question, Rich. And um, it's it's a really timely conversation, actually, because this vintage just been in Australia um, 
the wineries here actually had a, a shortage of DAP, which was insane. Um, they just couldn't get enough of it because it wasn't um, shipping fast enough. And so we saw a lot of practices change where in the past um, wineries may have done quite a lot of additions um, of what they generally will call like a, a just-in-case addition, right? It's a, it's a risk removal layer, so that they'll pop it in the wine as a risk removal. But obviously that adds cost to their production and it also can take away from some of the really unique characteristics of a minimal intervention wine. So we do see that there's opportunity if you're getting real-time data and you're really feeling in control of your ferment that you may not have to be as intensive about what you're adding in order to to get the wine out that you want you could um do it in a more minimal way and save some cost and gain some control so absolutely it's a great conversation to have i i think that's exciting to understand that if we can get a more pure wine um a more cleaner wine that I, I, that's something that takes wine wine drinking to the next level uh, in my opinion. Um, and for people that I think that can say, all right, I don't like reds or I don't like whites and this is why. And let's remember sometimes the yeast itself has something to do with that. The aging process has something to do with that. But if you're able to bring out the character and the personality of the grape, because let's face it, that's really what enjoying and drinking wine is. It's bringing out that character. If you can do that and and really amplify and bring a megaphone to what that grape was intended to do, to me, I mean, Jacob, you talk about you know solving problems of the world and changing the world. You that, you're, you're 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 changing the world for wine drinkers right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope I hope so, Rich. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. And um, we so we do have the I think we've got the privilege that we we work with some of the um the Da Vinci's of winemaking. And it's so interesting talking to them about technology because they are trying to harness any technology they can in order to, to build the end product that they vision from where the grapes are and how do you harness that. When you talk to them, they're like, yeah, this is like we, we, what we can do. And, and you know that because when you drink their wine, it just resembles that regardless of whether, and this is a very exciting for me, is that if the grapes are picked from similar site and um one of them go to like a legacy winemaker and one of them go to like you know the the bulk winemaker down the road um there will be an absolute difference between those the end result and those wines and that's becoming very very obvious now in the industry um obviously great grapes are amazing as well but it's for me it's really interesting that we've we've kind of neglected the the vineyard with technology and and the ability to um manage because that the customers that we work with are so hectic, um, just like Abby, Abby touched on, like they're just reactive all the time. And so giving them some time back to truly work on their craft is going to absolutely see a resurgence in wine. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm really excited about what the next couple of years, years will be like. And I'll, I'll, share, I'll share some of the wines that we've monitored and we can, uh, we can uh, make some um, observations on how, how different they could be from year to year. So when you say you share, are you allowed to talk about some of the uh, winer, wineries, wine producers that are using your technology now? Uh, we, we don't at the moment, um, but I think I think we'll make something um, official soon. For, for us, I mean, we've got a handful of like very, they're, they're sort of just legacy um, 
winemakers that do smaller, smaller. They've just got, you know, they just kind of retired and got their own little winery at the moment. Um, but generally the large um, commercial winemakers, um, they tend to be searching for this sort of technology because they have so much volume to handle and they have such a degree in loss. And and you could you could probably guess some of our, our big, but like the the customers that we're dealing with over here are premium large. And that's a very hard market to hit when you're doing large volume export and you're wanting a thousand dollars a bottle. Um, you know, how do you manage that? And, and that's sort of our sweet spot at the moment. So right now, your focus is in the Australia market, or are you finding opportunities in the United States or in Europe or other wine producing areas? You could probably talk to this, Abby. This is, um, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're going to be in California um, this coming vintage. And we, we've, we've done a little bit up in California um, with, we, we have um, we've friends up there and connections up there that um, couldn't wait to use the technology. Um, but we'll be putting, deploying technology in this year with, Again, it's, we're really focusing on um, innovative wineries that are really like focused on um, data-driven decisions and like how can we um, help align with what their goals are for achieving amazing wine um, uh, as, as an outcome. And so, yeah, so we're working, working in California this year. Um, you probably have some notes to add on that, Abby. <laughs> Um, not too much to add for my end, Jacob, but yeah, we're, I mean, we've been in New Zealand and Australia for three years now and coming to California this year. Um, so we're super excited to, to see um, a bit more of some of the facilities and um, over there and, and the practices. Um, we do feel quite familiar with them. Like Jacob says, we've, we've been in with a few wineries just in a super um, exclusive closed manner in the past, um, but a little bit more open this this vintage. So it'll be cool to um, meet some wineries that are keen to get a bit innovative with their practices and and try this technology. Yeah, it sounds to me like this has become this is as you've developed the technology, it's been a quiet secret in the industry, and now you're ready to expand. Now that you've honed your technology to anybody that would like to sit down and talk to you, who can add this to the process, right? I, I will have a conversation with everyone about this. I think for me, it's, it, it should be, if, if we can, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate. We, we want to get it out to the, to the masses. We do, we have to admit, we do have uh, a lot of demand at the moment out of California, but we, I'm really interested in talking to people with unique practices or, um, you know, the, I think there's stuff that we can still learn and help them uh, help understand what their objectives and goals are because it is um, the nature is that we're building a technology company for the wine industry. And so it's going to be an evolution of technology as we move forward. Is there an entrance point? Do you have to produce at a certain level? Or are you looking to talk to anybody in the wine industry right now? Or is there a certain volume that you want to stay with? There's no criteria on volume. We we talk to wineries that have five tanks out the back of their shed and are just making the most amazing wine, um, all the way through to wineries with you know thirty thousand ton crush capacity and higher um, that want to hone their practices. For us, it's about talking to wineries that are really looking for better ways of doing things and looking for ways to improve the quality of their wine and ways to um, 
get more uh, insights on what's going on and and be able to sleep at night a little bit easier as well. So that's what we look for. Nothing to do with size. Has your, for both of you, I mean, has your appreciation for wine become even more elevated now? Or were you always winophiles or vinophiles before? Oh, oh Rich, I, I have to admit, I, I am very picky with my wine. I, what, what have I been... Um, yeah, it has changed. It wasn't intentional, um, but I've had been drinking some amazing wine lately. And I do, like the last, uh, I had, I have to admit, we, I did have a bottle of wine. It was uh, the, the other night after our board meeting. And that was, um, that was very enjoyable. And I had to, I'm, I'm really into my Malbecs at the moment. And there's, uh, um, yeah, I have to admit, I, uh, Rich, I, <laughs> I, I have an elevated taste now. I think I, I can't go back to, to, um, other other wines very easily you know an idea or thought popped into my head because i know um for sake producers because of the climate is changing there it's not as cold as it used to be has anybody approached you through the fermentation process for sake yeah no we have we have been approached um by that industry oh my gosh i have to say i would be fascinated to understand that fermentation process it will be very exciting once we start um looking across at, at all of these different fermentation types and and what's unique about each of them as well i'm super excited there's so much out there for both of you and your company to really explore and wine to me is the tip of the spear with all the things you're going to produce with fermentation but if you look again as we talked about you could you can approach people in the bourbon industry, the whiskey industry, the 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 mead site. I mean, the, the, it's limitless, right? It was it was. I was recently up at um, one of the conferences in Singapore, and they wanted what was it? It was they were really focused on soy sauce, and it was like, and I didn't realize this, but there's like 150 dollar bottles of soy sauce out there, and there's like so they also have a fermentation range and quality there. And so that was like, I, I think I need to go back to pen and paper and, and, and have a look at some of these other practices. And because we, we often, you often overlook some of them, like there's some pretty interesting stuff happening and um, yeah, that we could slot into. And for them, they were like, this is actually the, the kind of thing we've been looking for, for again, legacy industry, um, but now one that wants to be able to um, scale quality product. And so that's really exciting. I'll tell you what, I, I didn't know what to expect learning a little bit about your company in the beginning. Now I want to know more. So my question is, how do people find you? How do people follow you? How do people keep up with your story? You know, just, just so they can, you know, if, if they want to engage for business wiser, they just want to learn more about the fermentation and the technology you have. How do people find you? That's a great question. So um, we have a website, obviously, uh, winely.ai. And um, we're also pretty active on, on LinkedIn, um, which we're just winely on there. So very easy to find on, on LinkedIn. And we're across all the other socials as well. But I feel like we're most active on LinkedIn. So that's a good spot. Or just direct to our website has our contact details as well. Just I'm really surprised out. you guys don't have a TikTok channel. Um, maybe you do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I can see you guys doing some TikTok with your fermentation. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. This is very informative to me. Is there anything that we have not spoken about in our time together that you just want to interject and make sure people know? 
I don't think you've left anything off the table, Rich. You've done a fantastic job. So thank you so well, much thank for you, having Abby. us. You're my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> we can drink some wine together in California. <laughs> well, if it, right now we're just outside of Philadelphia, but if uh, if you guys make it to the uh, eastern coast, we'll uh, we'll try to find a way to get together. It's on the cards, so we, we, we might we might just hit you up this year about that. We'll be over there uh, towards the end of the year, so that'll be pretty exciting. I'll tell you, that would be fun because then we could drink wine together and talk about – I always love talking to people about what they experience in whatever they're drinking and to the idea that sitting down with what you're doing and drawing out your knowledge and, and thoughts about the wine, that would be so much fun for you know to do with you guys. Oh, we'll have to. We'll, we'll we'll try and sneak you in some hidden gems from from uh, Australia and New Zealand. We've got we've got a few very very cool wines over here, and they are. I you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to even identify them in the in the supermarket. They I mean they don't make the supermarket, but they just you look at the label and you're like, what even is that? But man, are they great winemakers. So we can we can try and find you a couple of gems. I will not turn that down, Jacob. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for your time, Abby and Jacob Winely. I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what you're doing, the technology. And I can, you know, say to everybody, hey, we had you on the Fermented Adventure podcast, and now we're fermenting cotton here in our house. So I appreciate that. Thank awesome. you so much for having us. All right. Cheers. Thanks.